Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Business Law Roundtable podcast. I'm Denise Field, an attorney at Buckhalter. Joining me today is my colleague, Tiffany Ng, who's an attorney in Buckhalter's litigation department. She practices in California and Washington. Today, she will share with us trends in litigation under the pandemic with an emphasis on commercial landlord-tenant disputes. Why don't we start today, Tiffany, with a brief overview of what's going on in the commercial landlord-tenant space. Thank you, Denise, for the introduction and Happy New Year to you all. So part of my practice involves handling real estate issues between commercial landlords and tenants. And earlier this year, or I should say earlier since last year, uh, most landlords and tenants were focused on negotiating rent abatement or a rent deferral so that they can get by the next few months. So over last summer, I worked with a number of tenants and landlords to prepare their lease amendments. At the time, I think people certainly did not know what to expect. And a lot of landlords and tenants were able to agree to some sort of a short-term deal because nobody expected the pandemic to last for more than just several months. So it's been now almost one year. What have you seen and what trends have you uh, noticed in the past year with respect to commercial landlord-tenant issues? So probably around six months into the pandemic, I started to get calls where Landlords, tenants, or parties to service agreements are contemplating litigation. So they've definitely moved past, you know, trying to get to a short-term deal at that time. Especially in the past two months, there's definitely an uptick in litigation and some serious threats of litigation on both sides. I think it has gotten to a point where people are getting impatient that they're not getting paid, and that's oftentimes in the case of a landlord. Or people are just so annoyed that they still have to pay for things that they cannot even use under the current circumstances. And that's oftentimes for event venues or services. Obviously, a lot of businesses, big or small, they're struggling to survive. So if they can collect the payment, they would obviously take steps to do so. And if they don't have to pay for something, they would also take steps to make sure that they don't have to pay. So I'm interested in knowing what these steps would be. And I assume it won't be just, I will sue you. Well, not necessarily. uh, But sometimes, you know, suing people is a means to an end. It's funny because people think that litigators encourage people to sue and think it will solve all the problems. And that's oftentimes what someone would go as the first thing, you know, I'm going to sue you. But I think oftentimes it's more important to focus on solving a problem for the client. So obviously litigation can solve problems, but it also takes time and the client will have to incur legal expenses. So if there is a way to resolve any disputes early on, I think that's always preferred. However, sometimes without an actual lawsuit on file, people have no motivation to compromise or to resolve the dispute so that they can move on. So in some cases, a lawsuit is the preferred option, but what are the considerations a landlord should make when determining 
uh, whether or not to file a lawsuit, especially if there is not an optimal landlord-tenant relationship? Well, first, I think it's very important to understand who your tenant is and what their goals are. Even if nothing is wrong, it is always a good idea to know your tenant. Some tenants at this point really just want to shut down their operations and get out of the lease, paying as little as possible. And in a good market, you can obviously let your tenant go and find a replacement tenant, or you can negotiate a buyout of the remaining term with your tenant. That's certainly an option when the market is good and if you have a long line of tenants waiting to lease your space. But obviously, we're not in a good market in the commercial real estate space. So under current market conditions, landlords are not as willing to let their tenants off the hook because who knows when they'll find another tenant for the space. And then other than the tenants who want to get out of their lease, you have the tenants who are struggling but have no plans to close its operations. Before the pandemic, if there is a non-paying tenant who is unwilling to leave, most landlords would proceed with an unlawful detainer action and get the space back. However, now the choice is actually not as simple. We've heard a lot about eviction moratoriums or government, whether it's cities or counties, putting out press releases. Talk a little bit about how to keep current with what's going on and the importance of making sure that you know the status of these government moratoriums. Absolutely. So the eviction moratoriums actually is one of the reasons why it's uh, more difficult for a landlord to figure out what it's supposed to do. There are a number of eviction moratoriums in place and they're all kind of similar but different. And sometimes the cities and the counties have different eviction moratoriums. So the first hurdle for landlords is to figure out what these eviction moratoriums say. And then to further complicate things, these eviction moratoriums are constantly evolving. So it's very important to stay up to date with the current version. So you can't rely on a one month old article to tell you what the current status is you actually have to carefully navigate the city and county websites to find the most current version. Obviously read it carefully and then decide whether or not it applies to your situation. Sometimes the eviction moratoriums are not very precise and there's room for interpretation and that is tricky because there's not a lot of guidance out there for one to figure out one way or another. And then once you determine that, okay, the eviction moratoriums don't apply to your situation, maybe you realize that you don't really want to evict your tenant. Is it a short-term cash flow issue that will resolve once the pandemic ends, or is the business failing and will fail regardless of what happens in the near future? And it ties back to my point earlier about how important it is to know your tenant. So it sounds like there's two big takeaways from this podcast. One is for a landlord to know what's going on with the tenant and hopefully to have a good relationship with your tenant so that you know 
what's going on financially with the tenant. And secondly, it's to keep abreast of the eviction moratoriums, the latest ones, and to check city and county websites and news articles to make sure that you're up to date. Yes, that is a very good summary. And I know our discussion today is focused on a landlord's perspective. It is as important for the tenant to read the moratoriums carefully as well. You don't want to not pay rent when you're actually not protected by the eviction moratorium. And also, these moratoriums, they don't erase the rent payment obligation. In fact, a tenant will likely face a balloon payment of unpaid rent at some point. That's good to know. No one wants, obviously, to be caught off guard with a balloon payment. Let's switch gears a little bit. You mentioned that sometimes it really takes a lawsuit to resolve a dispute. What's going on with the courts these days, especially with the pandemic and furloughs and some budget deficits with the courts? Right. It's always a good idea to know what courts are doing these days when considering a pandemic-related lawsuit. Obviously, courts are backlogged, and it's going to take some time for your case to get in front of a judge. Uh, Secondly, there are not many published state court decisions at the moment, and if any, it's related to criminal justice. There are some pandemic-related federal court orders out there on the civil side. I think one thing to be aware of is the pandemic is a constantly evolving situation. So to provide just some examples, in July of last year, one court stated that it was not convinced that hosting a large event with tens of thousands of attendees in October of last year would be against public interest. And that's what the court thought in July of last year. And in November, just a few months later, one court stated that the pandemic is, but for the shooting, a war in every real sense. So with all of these changes, what does this mean to people contemplating litigation? I think what it means is that you can file a lawsuit today based on today's circumstances when things are not good. But when you get in front of a judge a few months later, things can be back to normal or it could be a lot worse than when you filed the lawsuit. Obviously, the law is the law, but in this situation, I think current circumstances matter. By current, I mean the time when you have an opportunity to present your legal and factual arguments to the judge, and it's not going to be immediately. It's going to take time. A few months is not a long time, but as we have experienced, things can be very different in just a few months. Thank you, Tiffany, for the update on commercial landlord-tenant issues. For our listeners, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at businesslawroundtable at buckhalter.com. Our next episode will be on the prejudgment remedy of attachment. With defaults on commercial loans and debts rising in California, we will be discussing how to use this prejudgment remedy of attachment effectively. Thanks to our listeners.